Today we're asking ourselves the question, what does it mean to have faith like a child? And we'll be reading from Matthew 18 where Jesus points out the humility of children. And humility is one of those interesting things in church. Did you know that in our youth group we give out a humility award each year? And if the person accepts it, we take it away. So it's one of those interesting things. There, there are some things that we just need to be honest. We Christians aren't good at. And, and one of those is accepting compliments. Have you ever noticed that? We're, we're so caught up with this thing called humility that some of us, you give us a compliment and we just start bashing. Oh, no, I didn't. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, not, not me. I, in fact, we have some people who are so poor at accepting compliments that I just compliment them all the time to see them squirm. Right? I, I finally had one friend who's not even a Christian, but he figured out that we were bad at this. And he's like, Will, when somebody says something good to you, just say thank you. Just, just smile and say thank you and, and receive it. We, we, we have to learn what is this? Why was it so important that Jesus would say, hey, I want you to, to be humble like a child? Well, one thing about children is children understand that they are dependent on an ecosystem. That there's this whole ecosystem that they have to have. And it doesn't mean they don't think about themselves. They, they, they do, but they understand that there's this ecosystem. And we live in a culture that encourages us to walk around in our heads as if we're walking through a culture of me, right? That's all about me and how good I, I do and me being my true authentic self and all in all my uniqueness. And yet what we find in the scriptures is a culture of we, not a culture of me. A culture of we where the question is how, not how can I be my unique awesome self, but how can I with the unique gifts God has given me, be a blessing to those around me because it's about we, not just about me. C.S. Lewis may have put it best when he said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's, an, it's thinking of yourself less. It's not low self-esteem. It's being able to look and see others. And sometimes, even in our well-meaning attempts to become more mature, it takes us away from this. Our, our culture is big today on mindfulness. Anybody ever heard that, that buzzword? And it's about always being aware of exactly how you feel about everything. And there's a place and time for that. But there are places and time that aren't for that. For instance, choir, when you're singing the anthem... Your director, Reverend Mike Stallings, does not care how your ankle feels. He doesn't care about that. We know it's sore, but that's not the time to be thinking about that, right? It's, it's, it's just not. Um, th there are moments when you need to be focused on, on others and, and what others are doing. I, I used to run competitively. Uh, and one time I was running a marathon and I was in that last mile. And in my mind, I was going along and it was like chariots of fire, right? And, and I, I felt like, I, you know, I was just running in slow motion. If you saw video, I was running in slow motion. <laughs> And I had just made a major change in my life, which if you're a runner, you can appreciate. I changed from a Garmin to an Apple Watch. And I was running with my Apple Watch and my Apple Watch start, starts buzzing. And I'm thinking, oh no, am I falling below my pace? And I look at it 
And it's this mindfulness app, and it says, your heart rate has been elevated for quite some time. Think about pausing and taking some deep breaths. (laughs) There's a time for that, and there's a time that's not for that. And in our lives, we need to know the difference of when to focus on me and when to focus on we. And so we hope that to help you do this, we hope you'll be a part of the Bible reading plan that we have. If you're not already reading the Bible every day, we've picked out scriptures that go along all this week on counting our blessings and on what it means to have faith like a child. You can find that at concordunited.org Bible, along with a daily devotional that will be sent to you every day to help you go deeper in the scriptures and to enrich your prayer life. You can also find those resources at our information center in the lobby if you prefer printouts. But now we want to go into the scriptures together to Matthew 18. These may be familiar words, but I ask you to listen to them as if you were listening for the first time because there may be treasures within that the familiarity uh, would cause you to overlook. Matthew 18, beginning with verse 1. At that time, The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. What's Jesus meaning By this, we have to become humble. And we have to become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, he means we must be dependent. Think think about a child. A child at a certain age cannot cook for themselves, cannot clean for themselves, cannot dress themselves, is utterly dependent. And God designed us this way. God didn't have to. There are other animals who are born able to take care of themselves. But God said, you are in my image. And because you are in my image, you will have the longest adolescence of any creature. You will have the longest time in which you are dependent upon others. And in fact, you will create a society where you are more dependent on others than almost any other animal. You're retirement fund depends on what someone in China does, right? The level of it. We are phenomenally dependent upon each other. And sometimes we walk through this world as if we, we are fully self-sufficient. And I understand that this, this is a goal and it's a goal that gets pushed on us and we need to be self-sufficient to a, a certain extent. It's funny with young parents, you know, you have young parents when they first have a child and they look at this child and this child has all this potential and they think this child could be president. One, one day, uh, this child uh, could be a, a famous singer or a famous scientist. And then you get to parents who are parents of teenagers and you see them walking around there like moderately, emotionally helpful citizen that contributes to society. That's all I want. Moderately, emotionally helpful citizen who contributes to society. Who's moderately self-sufficient, right? But sometimes... We can get caught up in that dream of just being moderately emotionally helpful, moderately self-sufficient. That's not, that's not the ultimate design God has for us, is it? That's ultimately a, a cold and lonely 
place to be. Uh, there are some people in this world who through no fault of their own will never be self-sufficient, uh, who uh, won't be a net economic gain for society, and yet they're in the image of God, and they bless us in ways beyond what words could ever describe. So as you go about living your life, here's what I want to ask you today. If Jesus had to file taxes, would he claim you as a dependent? Or are you trying to make it on your own? If Jesus had to file taxes, would you be a dependent? Or when Jesus thought of you, would you be one of those who was out there trying to do it on your own and didn't want his help? Now, don't overthink this question like the aforementioned Reverend Mike Stallings. I, I asked Mike this question before the service, and his comment was, well, I'm not sure that this is an appropriate question since Jesus lived under uh, an, the ancient Palestinian tax code. Well, you don't have to know all that, right? It's okay. Just ask yourself, are you dependent on Jesus? Would he claim you as a dependent from looking at your life and how you live it? And if you've learned to be dependent upon Jesus, you gain a humility for how much you're not able to do just on your own. We all need Jesus. Every hour we need him. We just don't all realize we need him every hour. And sometimes we go off as if we've got it all taken care of on our own. And it's not until life smacks us in the face two or three times that we come to the realization of how much we need him. And once we realize how much we need him, we spend our lives wanting to grow closer to him. That, that's the ultimate goal before us each day. We want to be closer to him. And as you get closer to him, you learn something. You can't grow closer to Jesus without growing a heart for kids. Remember the second part of that passage from Matthew 18? He says, you must become like a child. And then he says, anyone who welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. You can't grow closer to Jesus without a heart for kids because Jesus designed kids to be dependent. He designed them to need to be mentored and to need to be apprenticed. And if you're growing closer to Jesus, you're growing a bigger heart for kids. And that's what we've been, been celebrating in our church as we've been looking at this dream for over 20 years of building a new wing for children. As people have been coming forward and to get us in the, to the next step of this dream, this capital campaign we've been having, we've been trying to raise $3 million. Today's our big commitment day. So far, a few families have come forward, about 70, and they have already committed over $2 million. And we're seeing if we can get that last mile today. And you look at what would cause somebody to do something like that. And we know some of you here today, uh, you may have only been with us a couple months. You may have, be visiting for the first time today. And we know you're not ready to make a commitment to something like this. But what I want you to know about this church is that this church is so full of people who have spent their lives wanting to grow closer to Christ that their hearts have had a a growing love for children, that they will come forward today and sacrificially give to a building. For many of them, their children and grandchildren may never walk through the halls of that building. 
but they will make a major sacrifice today because they believe in that. And they also believe in taking care of our Cades generation, adults living with dementia, who this will dramatically increase space for. But growing closer to Jesus causes you to have an increasing heart for children. And if we have an increasing heart for children, not only do we seek to make space for them, but we seek to understand them. I want to read to you uh, from Matthew 19, and it gives us an idea of our need to understand uh, what people are going through. This begins with verse 13. Then the little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and he went on his way. The disciples actually were trying to prevent the children from coming to Jesus. And Jesus had to get that obstacle out of the way. If we're going to have the heart that Jesus has for children, we need to understand the obstacles that sometime the culture, because the disciples were acting within their culture, children were not supposed to go up to important people in that culture, and all the disciples were doing were, was upholding the standards that they had always been taught in their culture. And in our culture today, there are some unique challenges that children face. And one of the unique challenges is a lack of community. Uh, staring at a TV screen uh, or an iPhone or an iPad, it doesn't lead you into deeper community. And they grow up without all the opportunities to relate to others face-to-face -face that many of us had. In some places uh, in our country, it's illegal for children to play outside the home without someone watching them until they get to about the age of 10, and you can get the cops called on you for that. Now, that's very different from some of us who got home from school and our mother said, get outside and you don't come back in until dinner's ready. And there was a whole community, and there were people who watched after us. Now, thankfully, we'd, we don't live in one of those communities so much. In, in my neighborhood, I can let, let my children go and know that if they are moderately well-behaved, that the neighbors will be happy that they are outside playing and running around with other kids. But kids get less of those opportunities today than they got in previous years. The others and, uh, is unrelenting standards. Kids experience more pressure more quickly uh, to achieve and to succeed uh, academically, athletically, artistically uh, than many of us had on us at those moments in our lives. And not only that, but because of this lack of community, they think that their self-worth is based on their achievement because when you're in this bigger community, one of the things I love about going to a big, one of our big Thanksgiving family dinners, my wife's side's a big farm family. We're, we're going to have a ton of people. And people walk in and it's like, oh, you're a CEO. That's nice. Oh, you work in a factory. That's nice. Oh, you live in a 4,000 square foot house. That's nice. Oh, you live in a 1,600 square foot house. That's nice. Because, but what, all that is nice, but what's great is you're a part of the family. That's what's great. 
That's what we're excited about. And being a part of the family, it doesn't mean achievement doesn't mean anything. But it means it puts it in its proper place. Because no matter how much or how little you've achieved, you're part of something greater than you and greater than any of your achievements that we call family. Here, we call it church. And so here's what I want you to know about children growing, growing up today and about when we face in our culture what seem like insurmountable challenges. Building a building uh, that ultimately will cost between eight and nine and a half million dollars can seem, oh my goodness, that's insurmountable. Going, growing up uh, and uh, making your way through the schools when you're not the smartest, you're not the biggest, you're not the strongest, you don't sing the prettiest. Sometimes that can seem ins insurmountable. Uh, coming uh, to church when you don't have the cool clothes to wear that some other kids have to wear, that can seem in insurmountable. Uh, trying to figure out uh, how to be yourself uh, when you're, you don't have your friend group set up as a child and other people are friends and this group is friends and you don't know where you fit, that can seem insurmountable. It doesn't get different as adults, does it? A as adults, there are go starting a new job, taking care of adult parents, raising, raising children, uh, figuring out how to heal your marriage when things have become uh, very tense. It can seem insurmountable. Here's what I want you to know in each and every one of those challenges. Insurmountable challenges require inexhaustible Christians sustained by the Savior's strength. Christians who are sustained by strength far beyond themselves. And that's what, that's what we find here. Remember that passage from Isaiah. When you wait upon the Lord, you will rise up with wings like eagles. You will walk and not be weary. You will run and not faint or stop when your Apple Watch buzzes you. You won't do that because you have a strength beyond yourself. That's, that's, that's what we seek. That's what Christ offers when you become dependent on him. When you say, my life is about being dependent upon you, just as a child is dependent upon parents. And we now have an opportunity today to express our dependence uh, by singing one of the, the great hymns of the faith about God's faithfulness. And for some of us, by making our commitments uh, to provide a space for children. And so, as we sing our final hymn, if you'd like to make a commitment, you can bring your commitment card forward and place in one of these baskets. We're also going to have a QR code. If you're more comfortable doing these things online, you can scan the QR code uh, and uh, go ahead and make a commitment that way. Mostly, though, make sure when you make a commitment that it's a commitment to Christ that is given joyfully out of all God has done for you. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, the greatest gifts we have ever received are your presence and your provision. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you that we can come to you as a child, whether we are 5, 45, or 85, and we are still equally as dependent, and you are still equally as ready to provide and pour out your blessings for us. We thank you for your magnificent love. In this time, may our devotion, may our dependence, and our, may our generosity witness to your great love for us and bring joy to your heart 
and glory to your name. It's in your name, holy and majestic, that we pray. And we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.